0: Welcome to Game On, the weekly football podcast, bringing together seasoned professionals, the male star football writers, and a celebrity fan or two. I'm your host, Mark Pugac. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Game On on video. Hello, everybody. Hope you had a good Christmas. Thank you for joining us. Good to see you looking so well, Emil. Welcome along, and I hope everything is uh, is well. Let's start with what Sam Allardyce has been talking about, Ian. I'll start with you. Talk, talk, talking about a two-week break because let's let's face it, we have obviously got a situation where COVID is is particularly bad at the moment, and he says that football quite possibly should stop for a fortnight. What do you think?
1: Well, I I think that there's that there's only really, really two reasons why football should should uh, should halt at the moment. The first would be if if um, playing professional football represented a threat to public health or public safety, um, which it, which at the moment I don't think it does. Um, if um, if the if, if football's um, continued kind of um, if playing football was um, being funded by the public purse, and um, which it isn't, or if it was diverting services, vital services away from other areas of society that needed them, which, which which I don't think it is. And the second reason would be if we reach such a point where clubs literally could not field teams, if, if, if the levels of infections among players got so bad that, that literally they couldn't play games. From where I'm sitting here today, I don't see that any of those criteria have yet been reached. I think there were 18 uh, positive tests in the last round of Premier League testing, which is, I think, 1% or less um, and this is at a time, and obviously, the virus in the public is is at a is at a new peak, sadly. So I think at the moment that um, as long as football can go on, as long as teams and, and, and I'm talking, I, I know about the Premier League, and I know that obviously football is much wider than that. But speaking just about the Premier League at the moment, all the all the 20 teams have big squads. Um, I know Sheffield United were a couple light on the bench yesterday, but they still got a decent team out and were competitive in their game. They lost one nil. Chris Wilder said that he doesn't see any reason why they should not play. At the moment, I'm in that camp. If the show if the show can go on, um, then it should go on. And at the moment, I think it can go on.
0: And just before I bring in Martin and Emil, just to be absolutely clear in light of Man City's postponement at Everton the other night, the regulation is, if you have 14 fit players, I guess they mean by that free from COVID, don't they? Then you should fulfil your fixture. So we have to... We have to assume that Manchester City clearly didn't have 14 free from COVID, so they couldn't fulfil the fixture.
1: Yeah, now look, it's, it's, I want make one thing clear. I'm not privy to the conversations that Manchester City had with the Premier League. Manchester City must have had, or must have believed they had um, a very definite medical grounds for that game not to not to go ahead. We don't know what they were. We may find out in time. Um, what, I, what I will say about that is that, for, for, for right or wrong. Slide slight is that what happened the other night with that game being postponed may set a precedent um, for other clubs um, to do to do likewise. That may lead us to a position where we have other postponements. If we start to pile up postponements, um, for example, there's talk of tonight's game with Fulham and Tottenham being postponed. If we start to pile up postponements, then obviously we do start to get a problem. We have a European Championships that schedules at the end of the season, so obviously, this can only be extended so far. Um, so there could be some problems further down the road, but I will just stress at the moment: I just don't think we're, I don't think we're at that point yet.
0: Emil, go back to our, our earlier point about uh, whether the game should stop for a fortnight or so. Are you with Ian that the show must go on unless there's a very good medical public reason for it not to continue?
2: Yeah, I think I think I'm in the same boat as as Ian with that. Um, <laughs> like he said, um, unless you unless Certain criteria have been hit. Um, there's no reason why the, the game shouldn't be stopped. But again, going back, if we go, if we look back, we've 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 toyed with the um, winter break um, over years. So that could have actually kicked in and had a had a week or two weeks off at some stage during this time. Um, but that's something that we could have probably looked at at the beginning of the season, where we could. Uh, we all know that um, coming into this season, coming into January, December, January, February, where it's very cold, we're going to have uh, um, uh, uh, maybe some people going down with with symptoms of COVID, flu, or whatever it might be. Um, so we kind of know that this coming into this period. So I don't see why we couldn't have actually looked at that and foresaw, foresaw that and had a had a, like like a, a short winter break.
0: Yeah, depends what we mean by break, though, Martin, doesn't it? Because break, to you and I, means nobody goes near the training ground. We have two weeks off. But it's probably not what managers would use the break for, is it?
3: No, and and just looking ahead or looking back at Newcastle, where they've already shut their training ground down, the game with Aston Villa was was called off, wasn't it? A number of players had COVID. I think we need to try to keep the season going, try to fulfil the fixtures. Um, It's reflecting what's happening in society, isn't it? COVID is on is rising, the numbers are, are rising, um, so football is no different, um, but it needs to just keep policing itself, keep playing the games, um, and they've obviously, Man City, have they've reached that criteria where they haven't got enough players to fulfil a fixture, so we wouldn't want them to do that, um, so that's that's just right and proper, it's the, the late timing of that, I think, uh, really affected Everton, um, in terms of their preparation for that match, but we have to, help and safety has to be paramount here, and I suppose that was what well, one out, but, you know, we're hoping that the Premier League games can be played and we continue to play what is a, a really open and, and fantastic Premier League season. Despite what's gone on, without any supporters in the stadium, we are seeing some cracking football this season.
0: And we have got an amazingly open title race, Martin. Manchester United, astonishingly, at one stage in the autumn, they were 15th-16th and we were talking about, are they in a relegation battle? They're two points off the lead now. Can we sit here going into the new year and say that Manchester United are very genuinely in this title race?
3: Well, when they actually go after teams, and if you look at the strength of their team, Baye came in uh, last night, I thought he did really well actually at the back of it. Maybe that performs a partnership going forward. But the attacking options that they've got with Fernandes, Pogba now playing his football, is absolutely outstanding. Rashford's pace, Martial, uh, Cavani coming in there with his know-how and his movement. There's no reason why they can't challenge all the way to the wire. If you look at Liverpool, who, uh, of course, they've been outstanding. There's a weakness there a little bit at the back. And I think while that exists, uh, the uncertainty that we have, I think Manchester United should take advantage of that. Their home form has not been fantastic. We, it's remarkable, really, their away form, the way that they've played this season, the times they've gone behind in games. And they've grown together as a group. And that last-minute winner that they got last night was really important against a really good Wolves team but they kept going. They got a little bit lucky, but that's what you need when you when you want to be champions. And so we, I think it's important that we have somebody that actually puts Liverpool under some pressure.
0: Emil, I think we have to say they are. I mean, it's a weird world. It's a weird season. I think the football reflects what's going on in the, in the wider world and the wider community, that everything is a bit upside down and topsy-turvy. And a team who's been hammered 6-1 at home by Tottenham, lost at home to Arsenal, terrible home record, two points off the top. I mean, it seems bizarre, but I think we probably... With Liverpool's injury problems as well, have to say they are in this Man United, aren't they?
2: Yeah, definitely. And <clears throat> it's been a strange season, hasn't it? Um, uh, if you go back, Everton were top of the league and flying high. They're still there and thereabouts, um, pushing up the top. Villa as well. So it's been up, up and up and down for a, a lot of teams, and it's nice to see Man there challenging again. And it's, it's weird that we that uh, uh, Oli's still under pressure, being being uh, second in the league. <laughs>
0: Uh, at the risk in of uh, Emil reaching through the screen, wearing his Leicester top and grabbing me <laughs> by the throat, I'm quite hoping for the new year that we're going to have a Liverpool, Man United, Man City proper Titanic tussle. Am I ex- for the title? Am I expecting a bit too much?
1: I'd make two points there. I would say that I, I, I'm just glad that we've got a, that we've got a competitive league um, for one reason or another. I was doing a piece actually for, for uh, the paper yesterday, um, looking at. Previous seasons, I mean, last season, um, the third-place team in the league was 33 points behind the champions. The year before, I think they were 26 points behind. And this goes back quite a way, quite a number of years. I'm just glad that we've got more teams at the top and that we might have what um, the horse racing fraternity would call a blanket finish. I don't really care which teams are involved, frankly. Um, I'd love having said that. I'm not saying this because Emil's there. Um, I think most football writers in this country... I like Leicester, I like the way they play, they like the club, You like Brendan Rodgers. Um, so, I don't, I, you know, if Leicester are going to be in the shake-up, terrific. If Villa are in the shake-up, terrific. Everton, um, whoever, I don't mind. What i would say about Manchester United, I was at the game last night. Um, they were okay. They, they probably deserved a point. Um, great way to finish the game. They were stronger in the last 15 minutes and, and, and that got, got them through. What I would say about them is that they are in the race. However, They haven't had their injuries yet. Um, They haven't had their injuries yet. Um, I'd imagine that they will at some point. Um, Liverpool have had theirs. Um, They will have players back. Um, The defenders will return. Uh, Thiago will return. Uh, Jota will return. Milner will return. And I think if Liverpool hit their straps at some point and go on, then I I think the only team who can live with them will be Manchester City. But there's no guarantee that Liverpool will do that. If United, the longer United hang around, um, the greater their chances. They play Liverpool on the 17th of January, and what a um, mouth-watering prospect that now is.
0: Because, as
1: as Martin says, they can be a devastating attacking team on their
0: day. Yeah, that's definitely one to ink in. Emil, um, what about Liverpool's, uh, Ian mentioned it, um, particularly their issues at centre-back? Is that causing you concern going forward, or the way that the the youngsters have played. Is that reassuring you?
2: Well, the way that youngsters are played have played uh, is reassuring. But again, as we know with youngsters, you can put them in for three, four games, or maybe one or two games, and they'll really they'll be they'll be exciting. But there's going to be a couple of rickets in there that that you'll be disappointed with because again, it's it's, it's a learning curve for them, and they're going to be learning on the job. So um, now bringing them in for one or two games is great. But again, you'll need the consistency. Uh, fabinho has gone in there and done fantastic. Um, you know, so he, he can be that he can be that calming, that calming nature for the for the young lads. Um, but I wouldn't expect too much. Th- I'd, I'd guess they would be wanting to to get more going forward and outscoring teams, even if they are conceding three or four.
0: Absolutely. Well, talking of youngsters, that's what Arsenal are doing. And Martin Keown, you are the future once at Arsenal. And you went, into, you went into a team uh, along with a lot of your youth team at Arsenal and you were the bedrock of, of what Arsenal became for a long time. How excited or confident are you by what you've seen from the Arsenal youngsters in the Chelsea and Brighton games?
3: Oh, very much so. Last night, uh, Smith-Rowe coming in. Uh, Sack has been almost carrying the team for, for most of the season along with Tierney on that left-hand side. But I like the way that Martinelli is... Now come back, we saw the energy he had last season, the quality that he has, uh, and the hunger in, the, in their performance. Literally just, I mean, I've not seen that this season from William and from Pepe. It's been really frustrating because you have the feeling that you, you they're not fulfilling my needs sitting watching. I want players to give 100% first. If he's not good enough, then I'll accept that. But what I'm seeing now is that players that are hurrying, putting press, pressure on the, uh, on the opposition, and then the quality to go with it. Saka's goal last night was a player that wants to make the difference. When he receives that ball, he wants to go out his defender, make the difference, and then Lacazette's finish was, was magnificent. And suddenly you're giving the quality to those players that they desire. They're not players that really want to get on the end of crosses. And I think now that he's, with switching those wingers over, with inverted wingers, Martinelli coming in onto his right foot, there's more possibilities to build the attacks. But really... You, you have to say as well, we were the first 45 minutes, I was watching really closely the Arsenal midfield players. And I know it's a good result, but they played between them. They played two balls forward into the front players. That's not good enough. We need to encourage the midfield players to be expressive on the ball and pass it. I know they're looking for creativity and a new signature, but how about working with the ones he's got and making them pass the ball? Xhaka was apologising his hand in the air for passes that he was turning his back on. But play them. It doesn't matter if they don't work. We want to see you try to make the right passes. And that's really a a problem for Arsenal. They will be successful down the sides, but they need everybody else now to buy into this new way of trying to play.
0: And Ian, it's interesting, isn't it? And I think fans of any club love it when they see their own coming through. And we've discussed it with Emil, with Liverpool and Curtis Jones and Williams and obviously with Arsenal, with Saka and Smith-Rowe and Martinelli. I know Martinelli's from overseas. It, it, it does change the, the feel and the fabric of a club, doesn't it? And it, it would do even more so if we had fans in the grounds, when people oh. can see, oh, the academy's working. We're getting one or two through here. Only if they do well.
1: Yeah. Only if they do well. Yeah. Oh, sure.
0: they
1: do well. <laughs> yeah. And they have so far. But let's, let's um, to use a football phrase, let's put our foot on the ball with that a little bit. Um, Arsenal have beaten, uh, they beat Chelsea well, I think. Um, they beat a bright side who's struggling for goals. Um, so let's let's see what happens. I think I think Arsenal, I don't think there's a, a huge issue with quality at Arsenal. I think there's an issue with confidence. I think there's an issue with character. I've said this before. Lots of people have said it before. I think it's true. There are two tough players, senior players in the Arsenal team putting their hands up to lead them out of it. Martin mentioned the two standout players of their season so far, and I would agree. Sacco and uh, Tiani, both young players, what does that say about the Arsenal squad, that it's two young players who are, who are dragging them forward so I think that it is terrific, uh, we highlighted our secret scout column in the Daily Mail two years ago um, as one who was coming through the system there, um, it's terrific to see him in the team now um, and I hope, we, I hope as, as, as Emil pointed out earlier, I hope he's one of those who can stay and who doesn't He doesn't play two or three times well and then take steps backwards. Um, It's difficult to come into a team as a young player at any point. It's even harder to come into a poor team. So I hope that Arteta, who I actually believe is the right person to take us forward, I hope that he manages to get that balance right because it's so difficult when you're struggling to get the balance right between trying to rely on your senior players and trying to bring in a bit of fresh blood as well.
0: I mean, we talk a lot about squads. We should mention Leicester, of course, who've played some wonderful football this season. But maybe do you feel that what we saw at Crystal Palace the other day was just a squad that's a little bit thinner, not surprisingly maybe, than the big boys we've talked about, Liverpool, United and City in particular?
2: Yeah, I think, um, and this is where Brendan's looking to address that as well, um, whether it be in January, whether it be in the summer. Um, Especially now they've moved into the... um, the new training facility, attracting the right players and the, and the key players that, to, that can build a, a really, really strong squad. They've got great players. Um, we're talking about young lads coming through the ranks. We've got Harvey Barnes, who's come through, who's, looks, who's just gone on for, from strength to strength, um, looking very, very good, very, very attractive player. Give him the ball, let him run at you, and it will cause havoc. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think yes, possibly now at this moment in time, a little bit thin especially when you're having a few injuries. was uh, out. Evans had his uh, suspension and then got injured as well. Um, so we were very thin at the back and ended up playing Ndidi at the back as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it, defensively, we need, a, we need probably a little bit of cover. Um, but, you know, I think he's building that now and hopefully in, either in January or in the, in, the, in the summer he can probably build a bit more on that. Yeah. Okay. What, I
1: mean, what's happened to Hamza Chowdhury? I thought he looked like such a good player. Um, 18 months ago, and he slightly <laughs> disappeared off my radar a little bit. What's happened
2: Yeah, I think, I think with um, Mendy coming in and basically doing well, when you look when you look at Mendy, you've got to take your hat off for him because, again, when Ndidi came in, he was sat on the bench and everyone thought that he was uh, actually leaving. Indeed, he got injured, but M- Mendy came in everyone still thought that Hamza Chowdhury was the person to go, go in there, sit, in, sit in, the, um, in front of the back four and marshal that. And I even fought myself, because again, he's, he's probably a little bit more mobile than, than Mendy. But Mendy's come in and done fantastic job and, and he hasn't been able to dislodge him, especially being a young lad. You, you'd expect him to be able to do that because you're supposed to have the legs on them. But his, his know-how, his, his ability, is just taking him strength to strength. And um, even now, indeed, he's back. It's, 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 it seems to be a swap between the two. And uh, unfortunately, Hamza's been that third cog that gets it, Gets a game every now
0: and again. Well, there's strength in, in one position, in particular at Leicester. Martin, there's strength all over the field at Chelsea, but it's not clicking. I wonder what you think of Frank Lampard's approach. Um, you can talk to us about his tactical approach, but also his approach in public, where he's very critical of his players. And I was watching the press, his, his comments to the press after the Arsenal game, thinking, mm, how do modern day multi millionaires respond to being thrown under the bus by their managers so often?
3: You're quite right. He is somebody that's very direct. Um, he's setting very high standards. Um, he has a, a tremendous ambition, Frank. And you, you feel, you hope he doesn't sort of strangle all the players with that ambition at the same time. And, and he needs to maybe show a little bit more empathy with some of those players. But that's styles. That's how Frank is. Um, he's got an array of talent there. He um, wasn't happy, was it, the Arsenal game where he felt, the players probably went into that with the wrong attitude, but that's a collective problem. Um, you know, he has to share in that. So I think that's what he was pretty angry about, um, and he just can't get the consistency for from the group at the moment. They're not playing in the way that he wants them to play. Um, for me, there's still places up for grabs there. Ridigo so really coming in, I thought, did really well in the game, but it looked like um, Frank had sort of you know, shoved him out. But he's fought back. He's, he's a player that's available and perhaps he should play in front of Zuma for the next one. But no, I, I think Frank is, is going to be an outstanding manager. And I think if he comes through this difficult period where he's spent all this money and he's, there's a frustration and I think he's trying to keep a lid on that. He's doing very well at keeping a lid on that, I think, at the moment. But the players need to be told. With this modern-day player, they need to be able to respond. Um, but it's not working out at the moment. They're sliding down the table, and frank will be will be annoyed until he gets them back up into that top four
2: yeah i think I think um with with the frank situation I think as a manager you learn from your players you you learn being around them every day who 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 needs what uh, who needs an arm around the shoulder who needs to kick up the, the the backside and he'll be learning that as he's going along and um I don't see it being a major problem digging people out every now and again just to 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 get a kind of a response at times, um, he'll know who 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 can take it and who can't. Um, and at times you've got to do that because again, if you put if you if you put a strategy together and, and it's not working, and you're seeing they're not doing what you, that you've told them to do, then you, <laughs> they need to as well think out um, think outside the box and think on the feet as well on the pitch because again, you can't just keep coming off and asking what to do and. You've got to be able to allow them to do what they, to, to, to improvise a little bit on the pitch as well. But it doesn't seem like half of them know how to do that at times. And I watch, and it's not just them and it's not just Chelsea. I watch a lot of teams where they're looking over and, and I found that um, towards the end of my career that a lot of players will look over at the bench for advice. Whereas that where, when, when I first came through, and Martin will tell you this, we were the ones who had to make the difference on the pitch. We were the ones who had to get together on the pitch and, and decide no, you come in here, you took in here. And Martin will tell you, fullbacks going on, bombing on, and um, in, the, in the 90th minute, no, you took in here, they can stay up there. And we'll, yeah, the manager might want us to play like that, but no, we stay here right now. We ha- they don't have them leaders on the pitch anymore.
0: Ian, it just seems to me that they've got, qu- he just can't quite, for, for injury reasons as well. And and obviously Havertz has been ill. He's had COVID and Ziyech, who's got a fantastic left foot, has been injured. But it seems to me like he can't quite work out. Is it Abraham or Giroud? Giroud has a few good games and Abraham starts, doesn't quite convince. Werner, is he going to play through the middle? No, he's going to play off the left. He's completely out of form. It happens. It still seems to me, how about you, that there are so many imponderables at Chelsea at the moment.
1: With the the Abraham and the Giroud thing, I think what you say, the point you make there is indicative of the fact that I don't think he really thinks that either of them are really what he wants. I think that um, you speak to people in the game um, and they'll talk to you about Tammy, for example. um, Very good lad, great attitude, talented, but maybe not quite, maybe not quite yet. What a team like Chelsea would need, Um, Giroud, we've talked about him on this before. Um, He just doesn't score enough goals. Again, great attitude, great worker, great target hold the ball up doesn't score doesn't score enough goals I don't think Franks was convinced by either I think he thought that maybe he could muddle, muddle through with Werner coming for example one point I would like to make is that there has been a lot of talk about um, the way that Werner and, and Havart, for example haven't maybe set the world alight yet but could I just say could I just say this I'll put this to Martin and to Emil you have obviously both played can you imagine what it must be like um, it's hard enough as a young foreign player, to go into another country and settle straight away anyway. Can you imagine what it must be like in this year of all years, in this environment that we all live in at the moment? These guys move to London. They can't go out. They can't go out. They they can't socialise with their teammates. They can't go to a teammate's house. They train in a sterile environment. They play in front of no supporters. I mean, it's hard enough anyway, but can you imagine how Hard it must be for those new foreign players to try to settle, or am I just giving them an excuse there that they don't deserve?
2: No, I think I think for I'll name two, uh, Martin will tell you. I'll name two players that, um, Anelka came over and pundits were saying it was a mistake, he was rubbish, he was this, but then went on to that was the first season, then went on to be a great, uh, uh, a great player. Henri was the same, came as a winger wasn't doing particularly well in his first season and then what turns out to be the best Premier League player ever. So you've got to give them time. I think we just want, we, we often want things straight away and I think it's, uh, and we often don't realise how how energetic and how frantic the Premier League can be and how tough the Premier League can be. Mm. I think Havertz has already said that, um, that he, he didn't realise how quick and how, how, how strong everyone was. And it's, you know, You've got to give them a little bit of time to to bed in and and, and and get used to it.
3: I think though, Ian, that's a really good point because as a player, you know, when you're having a, a difficult time on the football pitch, I think you can you can go out, you can go to the theatre, you can mingle, you can things that take your mind off a little bit. But at the moment, the players are almost like prisoners, aren't they? So that just those four walls, and I think sometimes your problems that you have for everybody and all like it gets worse. When You can't when you just sit there thinking about your football's not going well. And for someone like Werner, for instance, he seems so desperate to score that he's fluffs his lines, he doesn't plant his foot properly, he's blazing it over the bar. And that's where I'm saying about just a little bit more empathy rather than that cutting, come on, we've signed you f- for big money, you've got to perform. It's like, I mean, you've got to get into their minds a little bit, work with them, understand their issues. And as you say, with COVID being here as well, it's even harder. And they certainly, they're two German players that don't look like they're enjoying themselves at the moment. Havertz looked like he was expressing himself the other night when he came off, off the bench. But they've lost three of their last five games, Tottenham, uh, Chelsea, having been you know, close to the top of the table. And that's alarming because just when you thought Chelsea had got it right, it's gone wrong again. And amongst all of that, Werner's not scoring any goals. So now he's been pulled out of the team. And that's, it's a tough school for Chelsea, and that's how Frank runs that ship. You don't perform, you don't play, but sooner or later, he's going to have to pick the 11 that he thinks is the best 11, and he's not got there yet. So it's really interesting times at Chelsea to see whether Frank can be the manager we expect him to be and sort this puzzle out at, at Chelsea. He bought himself one or two issues and problems. I'm not really quite certain. I'm looking, I'm looking at Kante, who was at Leicester, Hemel. he's playing wide right of a midfield three. Play him, surely you play him in the middle. Make it simple and get the best from the players he's got.
0: Yeah, well, it's a tough school here because we know what happens with Chelsea managers if they don't succeed, particularly ones who spend £250 million.
1: Well, we do, and, we, um, and there's, there's been some things said and about whether this is kind of the new Chelsea and um, the new way forward. I don't think there really ever is a new Chelsea when you're uh, talking about um, the guy who owns the club, but he wants what he, he wants. What he wants. Um, and Frank will be judged on his results I think it's far too early to talk about to talk about that yet um, Chelsea look like a team who are still short of of a couple um, I mean is it, is it tell me if tell me if there has been an example but is it possible to win the Premier League without a, without an out and out through the middle proper successful goal scorer is it really, is it is it possible to, is it possible to do that obviously Chelsea had Costa playing probably the last time they, they did it They probably they probably still need that, Um, and I think I I like what Frank did last year because after the kind of slight chaos of um, of the Sari time and Conte before, I I I like the kind of the calm kind of practical way that Frank went about his business. He was playing uh, contrary to what Martin the point Martin just made there about Conte. He was playing players in what I saw as their proper positions. He was doing things sensibly. Um, and it seemed there seemed to be an order about it. The disappointment has been, because obviously they were coming on the back of the transfer embargo, in Frank's first season. The disappointment has been so far this season that the money they've they've spent to add to that hasn't worked. But great point made by Emil, uh, Emil Emile, Thierry Henry, what a great example. Am I also right, Martin, in that Bergham didn't Bergkamp didn't score for about two months, did he, after he first arrived? Is that right? Another right. arsenal Another Arsenal example, um, at United, people are jumping up and down about uh, about Van about Beek that they signed in, in the summer. Why is he not in the team? Why is he not in the team? Well, because he's clearly not earned a place in the team yet. But it's, you know, it's, um, and those conversations were taking place in October. Why is he not in the team? Why is he not in the team?
0: Yeah. He's just Before we talk about New Year's Eve, I think, Martin, with your Aston Villa hat on, that a lot of us would have not been surprised at all that Aston Villa got a, got a result at Chelsea. I think actually we might have been surprised if Villa had lost and that shows how far Villa have come. What you put that down to? Why are Villa unrecognisable from last season?
3: I, I put it down to the acquisitions, w- without doubt. We, we start with the goalkeeper, who a lot of the Arsenal fans are um, unhappy to see go. Martinez, in, 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 he's been magnificent the way he comes for crosses. I like Cash at right back. Was effectively a right winger for Nottingham Forest. The central defenders now, you know, Tyron and Mings didn't play, but they've got two in there, Horse and uh, Concert, that look like a, a really good partnership. Target just does his job. He makes his tackles. He's, you know, he, he's nine out of 10 every week. McGinn in midfield is um, underrated and really important to them. And Louise is, I think, he's a star man in there, playing for the national team now for Brazil. So that's a platform they build from. And then in front of that, you look at Grealish now, Barkley not available, um, El Ghazi, Triori. I think those players are really good quality. But what makes, what finishes the piece off for them, and we talk about jigsaw puzzles because sometimes it is, is the running of Watkins into the channels. He's so underrated. His movement, I think, is first class. And it was no surprise they went down to 10 men in the previous game against Chelsea. You might have thought that they're, so, in the Chelsea game they were tired. But not a bit of it. They came back into that game and they just look more comfortable. There's more, there's more structure, it's more simplified. And I think it's credit to, to the manager. He, he identified quickly what he wanted in the summer. He bought those players in, and every one of those players is playing and making their mark at
0: Aston Villa. Yeah. And I know Watkins was a good price, Emil, but they're not colossal prices, these players. We're not talking, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, all of them. So my point is it just shows. Recruit and Liverpool have been the best at it. Of course, Michael Evers have been genius at it. If you get your recruitment right, it doesn't always have to be, you know, gigantic sums.
2: No, it doesn't. Um, and I think your testament to Villa, because again, when they, uh, uh, when they, I think the last transfer window when they spent a, a hell of a lot of money, it didn't go quite as, as good as it is is yeah. now. But I think, uh, I think you got, that's a testament to Dean Smith as well, because I'm, I'm sure he has a hand in a lot of that as well, where, when you're looking at Ollie Watkins, because he had him before, uh, concert and play, players like that who he knows and he knows what they're going to bring. I, I actually never knew anything about Ollie Watkins, if I'm honest with you, but now looking at him, he, he's taken to the, the Premier League so well. Um, like I think what Martin was talking about, his movement and everything, it's been second to none. Um, and he's getting his goals. Uh, you know, you, you rarely see forwards moving as much now because, again, when you're playing one up front, they tell you to say stay central. But when you start moving, the defenders don't know what to do. And now he's just running in behind. He's, getting, he's, he's drawing them out of positions that don't, they don't want to be in. And this is where El Ghazi and players and Grealish and all them are, are thriving
0: from that because there's so many gaps. Yep. Run the point. channels is more the language of your day, Emil, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Ian, it's really good to see Villa, isn't it? Because people if you people underestimate, not people who, who live and breathe football, but people sort of on the periphery of football just don't quite appreciate how big Aston Villa is as a football club.
1: Absolutely. I think, I think what's fundamental to what's changed this year is that Dean, I mean, Dean Smith's got his own signings this this time. And from what I, from what I understand, that this, the summer before when they got promoted, uh, Dean really wanted Tom Heaton, who he got. Tom's a great goalkeeper, suffered a serious injury, that can happen. He wanted Ming's who he got. And um, the director of football, Suso, um, um, pushed um, Villa towards um, a centre-forward from the Belgian League. Didn't work. Wesley didn't work. Got injured. They replaced him with another Suso signing. Another centre-forward from the Belgian League. Um, didn't work. Um, and it, it, it's difficult to play at any level without a centre-forward, especially in the Premier League. And um, Suso's moved on. The club moved him on. They weren't impressed with, with, with what he did. And I think Dean has, has had a little bit more uh, hands on the tiller now in terms of transfers, um, and I won't repeat what Martin said because he said it very well. They, they bought well, they bought good players, they bought players who were suitable for the division, and the and the flying on the back of it um, last season. Um, Greenish looked like he had to carry that team um, at times. Now he doesn't. Now he can. Now he can kind of garnish that team rather than have to carry it, and um, and and he's flourishing because of that. Uh, it's terrific to see they a good club and Dean Smith great fellow and, uh, and clearly a very good manager.
0: Well, let, let's finish. We'll talk about New Year's Eve, the last thing, but let's finish our last football conversation, talking about centre-forwards, Emil. Diego Costa, he's had his contract ripped up at Atletico Madrid. Are we going to see him back? Is he going to go to Wolves? Not another Chelsea old boy at Arsenal, surely. <laughs> what do you think of Costa?
2: Yeah, obviously Costa speaks to himself. Again, he's, he's, he's one of those players that, defenders hate to play against because he loves to he loves to throw his weight around he loves to score goals um he loves to bash play people around so um he's a proper throwback of a center forward isn't he um uh, yeah would he fit in Wolsey's side yeah I'm, I'm, I, I could see them I could see them um playing with him up front actually you know triori getting down the down the wing and crossing them balls in and uh, him just him getting his head on the ball because he wants to go and attack the ball um, so, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if they actually go for him, but I can see him back in the Premier League.
0: Martin, without Jimenez at the moment, and obviously with all the contacts the Wolves has in the agent world, Costa looks a better fit at Molyneux than anywhere, doesn't he?
3: Yeah, perhaps. Uh, they've got the young Fabio in there, haven't they? Silva paid £35 million from his only 18 from Porto, so... Uh, He is going to be an outstanding player, but it was a problem for them last night, particularly in the final third, somebody getting on the end of things. I just think Costa, I mean, if he's done the deal now and he's left, there must be something in the offering, Mm. whether it's in the Premier League. I I would like to see him back. I don't think I'd like to see him back at Arsenal, particularly, you know, uh, to see a third. Well, essentially, he's Brazilian, isn't he? Although he played for Spain, to see a third Brazilian sort of sitting on the edge of it, potentially potentially. We've got David Luiz at the moment and William, who are not featuring in the Arsenal team. Um, he's had a lot of injuries, a lot of muscle injuries, calf problems, hamstring problems. So he's a, he's a risk. There's an element of risk about him. But I can see someone going for him because he brings an energy and uh, determination in his play. And he bullies defenders. So, you know, in his pond you take him all day long. But it's whether or not how fit is he, what conditions he in. Um, it's a risk, but it's tempting for somebody, I'm sure, um we might well see him in the Premier League. It's certainly be
1: interesting to watch him play. You
0: know as Martin says it's yeah. got to be going somewhere, otherwise he wouldn't have ripped off. No, I, you know I
1: think should 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 go for it. I think Manchester City should I'm saying. Because, okay. because City are not the same when Aguero's not in the team. And Aguero's brilliant player, not as young as he was, his injuries are start injuries are starting to take a toll. And I think Costa's got to go somewhere, knowing that the character that he is. Costa's got to go somewhere that's going to turn him on. Is Wolves, is, with the of respect to Wolves, is Wolves going to turn him on? Arsenal, maybe a little bit. I think Manchester City would turn him on. They could afford him. That wouldn't be an issue. Guardiola could manage him. That wouldn't be that wouldn't be an issue. It would be a great signing for Manchester I was going
2: to, sorry, Ian. I was going to ask you that. Could could Pep, could Pep manage someone like
1: that? I think if anyone could, then he could. And I think that would be. It. I think you put someone like Costa, especially again going back to the, the lockdown situation we at the moment. You put, I mean, and I'm not being mean to, to Wolves. I've in the last two games, um, I've played very well in both of them. I've been at both of them. The greatest respect you put Diego, you put Costa in a hotel in Wolverhampton for two months, and telling him he can't leave his room. How's that going to go? How's that going to go? I just think that What's uh wrong
2: with wolves, mate. I'm not digging
1: <laughs> out
0: Wolves. I'm
1: not digging <laughs> out <how wolf laughs> I'm, nice uh,
0: I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> 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 I really shouldn't have gone down this track. Why no, no, I, I,
0: think I think it's a like, really fascinating... I, like, I, 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 right, I think it's really interesting here. I hadn't no, even crossed no, my mind, so mind man so City. What I mean is I
1: shouldn't have said what just said now. Uh, yeah. What the, the city thing, I I do seriously, I think Costa needs to go somewhere that's gonna that's gonna capture his imagination. I think Manchester City could probably do that. And, yeah. they, and, they, could, and they could do it the
0: centre-foot. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting one. Listen, let's finish. Obviously, we've got New Year coming up. And before Christmas, Matt Letizia admitted that when he was a young man, on Christmas Day, when he was still single, he went round the corner to his mates, had a very good Christmas, probably a bit too good, and the next day scored the winning goal. So are either of you two going to confess to playing with a slightly fuzzy head on New Year's Day, Emil?
2: No, we, was, we stayed in hotels, didn't we? So we would have Christmas. um yeah, they've all got the mini bars. Bath. <laughs> 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 that, that were emptied. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, was, we was in the hotel, so never, never really got into that.
3: What? Do you know, what? It, it's the same for me, Mark. I know it's boring, but I, I remember my very first stay. I was in a, uh, uh, sharing a room with Nar Quinn. And we went, we had to go to bed at 11. We were playing at 11 o'clock in the morning, you know, back in those days, didn't they? Every game at Arsenal on New Year's Day was a little kickoff. And we set the alarm for 12 o'clock, we went to sleep, set the alarm, got up, shook each other's hands, and went back to sleep again. And it was kind of like, this is how it's going to be for the next 20 years. You know, like New Year's Eve is something very different. We did have occasionally, when we were allowed to stay at home, you know, I think you might have had it, one glass, you know, wished each other well, But there was no real parties i think there was one situation we were in a hotel where some of the boys stayed downstairs and george found out there was a
0: did you say perry probes or was that was there a glitch on the line
3: (laughs) (laughs) i think paul mercer might have been involved in 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 that one um but it was all good fun just us players just joining in with some of the shenanigans and an early tonight bed because that's how it had to be Uh, football was the most important
1: thing when you, when you shook hands with Niall, did he actually kind of get out of bed to do it or did he just yeah. kind of reach across the, the, the gap between the two and, <laughs> yeah. and, and shake hands and then roll back up, roll yeah, over yeah. again? Well, actually, I woke him up and he, wasn't, <laughs> he didn't look best pleased. I can't think, I can't think why. <laughs> yeah, but I thought, you know, such a miserable
3: git, I'm going to yeah. actually do a happy new year, wish, at least wish him a happy new year. So
1: anyway, he had to shake my hand in the end.
0: Brilliant. Well, listen, I wish you all a happy new year. Thank you very much indeed. And we'll see you, we'll see you, fingers crossed, for a far, far better 2021 for all of us. And Martin is in the city. Martin's in the most important city in the world at the moment, Oxford, with its vaccine. So, Martin, get on the streets and shake them all by the hand, those brilliant scientists in Oxford, for us. And that's it from Game On. We'll be back next week and every week for Spotify, Apple and Google. Don't forget to sign up to your daily briefing from mailplus.co.uk. That's it from me, Mark Pugach. See you next week for more Game On.